It's Q&A time. I asked on my Instagram, now that I'm a mother, what you guys wanted to hear about. And a few of your questions we took, we set them aside, and we're going to do full podcast episodes on them because they're just really big topics. And then there's this fun mix of really quick answers, kind of funny answers. And then I feel like I picked actually like the lighter hearted questions and Elisha went through and picked some serious heart to heart questions that you guys asked. And we're excited to answer those for you guys today. I hope that you enjoy this podcast. It's kind of a popcorn episode and we will see you guys on the other side of the intro. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Q&As are kind of fun. They are. They're a blast because we just get to talk about all kinds of things. Yeah. I feel like the people that ask the questions do the heavy lifting on creating the topics and kind of creating the content. And we just kind of, we kind of get a riff on it and share our thoughts and our opinions on on a variety of subjects, which is fun. Yeah. So there's two things I want to um, address just because this is a video podcast as well. Uh, we're the denim brigade today on accident. We both were feeling the denim. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Like we're denim all like we're, you can't see our pants, but we're both wearing jeans. Then we got the denim shirt and Katie has a denim hat. I know. I even went all out with the denim hat. Yeah. <laughs> and then the mark that looks like a hickey on Elisha's neck is actually from someone jabbing him in jujitsu or doing like a neck choke or something. So yes. just so you guys know. Well, there would be nothing wrong with it being from you either. Yeah, but I just want to clarify that. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you want to... Do your question first. Sure. We'll jump in and just right from the get, thank you everyone that participated in this Q&A over on Katie's Instagram. We had like a hundred, over a hundred questions, I think, which is pretty, pretty cool. And there were some great questions and Katie already said in the introduction, we're not going to tackle a lot of the questions because we feel like they deserve a whole episode. Um, And then, yeah, and then uh, we're just not gonna be able to get to all the questions or not even close to it. And so... Don't take it personally if we, you know, if we don't get to your question. It's not because we didn't like your question. Well, some questions I didn't maybe, like. Maybe it is. But maybe it's because we <laughs> liked it so much. We're going to do a full episode on it in the coming future. So, you said I get to start? Well, if you want. I mean, or I could. Whatever you want. You start. Me start? That's what I want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I used my phone to go through... Okay, tips for RV living with a young family. Lots of people asked for tips like this. And my biggest tip is don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. 
<laughs> that's not very helpful. Well, okay. Someone said they want to live in an RV for the next three to four years. Whoa. And I just, I mean, just a lot of prayer for well, you. Well, a lot. But I mean, if they're living maybe in a sunnier place, like a warmer place, that might work better for them. Yeah. So I lived with my family for two years growing up in an RV and yeah. we had a big tent that we also stayed in, but it was in Southern California. And so it was pretty warm down there. And that made a huge difference. When Elisha and I did it for six months, we were living in a very rainy area, mm. rainy side of Washington. And you just were stuck yeah. inside the trailer. So, and every time you went out and came back in, you, you always brought mud or some sort of debris with you. Yeah, you're sopping wet. It yeah. was it, so hard. Mm. It was so hard. Um, I think maybe have a clear game plan for how long you're going to be there. Yeah. It, it's nice when you know what the end goal is. And if there is an end, you know, hopefully it's in sight somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, weather's going, you're going to be really dependent on the weather. So if your weather's great, it could be a fun adventure. Yes. If the weather's lame, it could be really hard. Yeah. I don't really have any great tips. It was like total survival. Cause I was also in my first trimester of pregnancy and just vomiting all the time. So that probably contributed to how hard it was. <laughs> yeah. We were only in the trailer for what, five or six months. And, but there was, that was almost all rainy, but for the couple of for the couple weeks that were nice, the weather was nice. Um, it was awesome. It was, it, it was, was a like fun. fun. And so it, I think it's very weather dependent. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. So I'll jump into mine. I just don't know what to start with first. Let's see. How about this one? Do you think an altar call at the end of every service is important for your church? Uh, and I think that this is something that you and I have both kind of been confused on when we thought of like a gospel centered church, mm -hmm. because, uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think we think that that's a crucial part of a church service, nor does it need to be a mandatory part of a church service. But I do think that the gospel needs to be clearly presented at every church service. And that doesn't need to be in, like, I think that I think it can be very clearly presented throughout a sermon, regardless of where you're teaching from in the Bible. And the reason I think that is because I, I hear pastors do it time and time again, especially our pastor and a lot of my favorite pastors is you can be teaching through the book of Proverbs, Genesis, you know, one of the gospels or an epistle, um, you know, from Deuteronomy and you're able to extract the gospel from that. Um, not, not force it in and say, Hey, this is all about the gospel. If it's not about the gospel, but throughout the teaching of whatever the text is, I hear great pastors relate it to the gospel and how, what the gospel, what these passages mean in light of the gospel. And so I think that's kind of what Katie and I really care a lot about in our church. And I know that's what our church cares a lot about. Nobody's ever saved simply by walking up an aisle. You're saved by believing the gospel. And in order to believe it, you need, you need to be able to hear it. And so we want the gospel to be clearly presented. And then the Lord does the work of giving faith, but that faith needs to be believing in a, in a gospel message. Yeah. And that gospel is the good news of what Christ has done for us and the victory that we have in him eternally and the victory that we have in him day, day by day. Yeah. And so I know that as a believer, I need to be reminded of that every week. Hmm. And I'm so blessed that our church really focuses heavily on that. And like Elisha said, I, I used to think salvation was, you know, maybe a prayer or walking down an aisle or something like that. Um, but 
it's just, it's not like that simple. It's not like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's almost more simple. You, you right. believe it's it. It's more simple. It's yeah. more simple. You don't, you don't need that in order to be saved. Sure. Sorry. I got a little thrown off because I heard, heard Lawrence start yeah. crying. We might need to pause for a second and go tend to Lawrence. Yeah. I need to Let's go do grab that. him. Okay. And we're back. We got little Lawrence here with us. Yeah. That was kind of like the classic domino effect because may, maybe you heard, but Lawrence started crying. And as soon as we, you know, pressed pause on the recording, then Lucy woke up. And then she woke up Lewis. And so that was a little bit of a longer intermission than what we were anticipating. Yeah, all the other kids are back in their beds. So we'll, we'll just see how this yeah, goes. Yeah, here we go. Let's do it. All bets are off. Okay, so we can probably move on to the next question. I, I hope, hopefully we answered that previous question. I can't remember what I said, but listen to what Elisha said because what he said was good. Oh, I don't know about that. That's think- a lot of pressure, Katie. Well, you were right in whatever you said, and then I feel like I just like bush- butchered it after that. So, okay, um, I need to look oh, at my phone. Oh, you can't see that? Sorry about that. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so we're going to mix it up on this one. And this is how to keep sex interesting when your spouse wants something different in the bedroom. Whoa. <laughs> Am I turning red yet? Okay, so to keep this, you know, great for both all genders you know well you know what i'm saying i feel like if it was all girls i'd say something different than like husbands and wives listening together yeah we want to keep it appropriate yes yeah so i would say a couple things elisha you can correct me if i'm wrong or add i would say don't do it in the bedroom try other places to mix it up what well that wasn't what the question was well i'm I'm, this is my answer. Okay. I get to say what I want. Yes. And then the other thing would be ask your spouse, say, what do you want me to do? Or what do you want? Mm -hmm. And in the moment, I think that sometimes mixes things up. Yeah. Versus like, I think, I think it can be helpful. And like Elisha and I just sitting here in these chairs, you know, and being like, what do you mean when you mean you want something different, you know? Yeah. But it's also fun in the moment and it might have a totally different response if you ask your spouse what they want. Yeah, I think that it's just, it's communication, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how like we know communication is important, but then it gets to different topics in marriage and we're like, I don't want to communicate about that. You know, I don't want to voice my desires or my concerns or my, how I'm, whatever my issues with this area. And I think it's easy for that to happen with sex, but I, I do think it comes down to communication, um, and just communicating you know, in the moment, after the moment, before the moment, depending on... And when I'm saying communication in the moment, sometimes I can sound like communication can sound like so much work, but it's like fun communication, you know? I'm not going to like get into details. Well, yeah, of course, yes. (laughs) But it can be very fun to communicate in the moment. Uh, I think, and this is something that that we've... I mean, mean, many of you know, like, we married as virgins and like our honeymoon was quite a comedy routine in retrospect (laughs) and uh and so that's funny and i say that to say that over our five years of marriage we've only gotten more comfortable and just you know comfortable communicating with each other around this issue um and so i think that you can continue to grow yes something i also want to say just while we're on the topic of sex because i just listened to a podcast on christian sex or whatever it's a christian couple talking about this and they said well after kids spontaneous sex definitely doesn't happen and 
that's like such a lie okay you're choosing to believe that that's a limiting belief i do think that sometimes you have to be more thoughtful about it Hmm. but there are definitely times when spontaneous sex with a newborn you just have to be okay prioritizing your marriage over the kids in that moment yeah it almost feels more spontaneous to me since having a lot of children because it'll just it'll you'll be like wait a second everybody's asleep or it's a quiet house and you just like in that moment like you know or it'll be in the moment and and i'll be downstairs and like text elisha when he's upstairs and you'll like put on a video for the kids like we definitely use screen time for this Mm. and maybe i'll like plop lawrence in a pack and play or something yeah and it's just it's just fun yeah and the kids think it's great because they get to watch a movie. So yes. everybody wins. <laughs> Everybody's happy. So anyways, just uh, don't have limiting beliefs. I would I would encourage you to not have limiting beliefs on your sex life. Yeah. Even uh, as a parent. It yes. can be just as fun or even more fun. Yeah, definitely fight against the cultural lies that it just like goes downhill, you know, after marriage or after kids. Obviously, that's just it's just a it's a facade. That's Satan trying to destroy what's true and what's possible in marriage. Yes. Okay. You, you do your question. Okay. Yes. Um, how about this one? Do you get criticism for being too young to tackle big topics? If so, how do you handle it? And I I don't think we've received a lot of criticism and I think that, and hopefully this comes across, but from the time we started this podcast, we wanted, we wanted to avoid criticism. We don't like being criticized. And so we wanted to approach this, even if we were talking of big topics, to never speak from a place of authority or like we were teaching on big subjects and we're comfortable discussing big topics because I think that's a good thing to do. And we, that's just what we talk about, you know, whether we're on the podcast or not, we talk about, you know, our faith and we talk about marriage and we talk about cultural things that are going on in our culture. And so, uh, that, you know, carries over that conversation carries over into the podcast. And so I don't think we've received a lot of criticism really at all. Actually. I I think that, yeah, we were wondering like, maybe this question is a little bit of criticism. Yeah, Maybe this was the (laughs) first, maybe this is the first time, you know, we're publicly being criticized for that. Um, and yeah, so I think that answers the question. I think that at times family members or close friends would take issue to us bring having a podcast and speaking to certain issues because i think they assumed we were talking about it from a place of authority or teaching and then they would listen to an episode and then they'd be really encouraged and or encouraging about how we handled it and so i think that that's happened a handful of times um but yeah yeah i mean that's our hope we'll we'll see how it goes (laughs) if we need to be criticized and we want to welcome that obviously that constructive criticism and we have gotten some constructive like hey i would suggest you say this next time um on the podcast by people who know us really well Mm. but it has all been really helpful and never an issue with our age yeah and it's crazy even when i we've had this podcast for a couple of years now and i it's funny when i go back look back at some of the podcast titles that we had and some of the things we said i'm like boy we've said things that are not, that are wrong. We've, you know, that I know that I've misinterpreted scripture and, and, you know, brought that into the podcast and I've, and I've taken scripture out of contest unintentionally, obviously. And then time goes on and I learn more. I get taught about a different passage and what it means. And so I hope that, you know, there's that element of grace where just like when you go to church, you, hopefully you don't just take your pastor 
and take it as the ultimate authority. You hear that he's teaching from God's word, and then you go to God's word, and you make sure that it's tr- that what this your pastor is saying is true to God's word. And if it's not, then then that's up to it's between you and God still, you know, to decide that for to see what that is, you know, and, and he's going to hold you accountable to what, you know what I'm saying? You've got to go to God's word and decide and see for yourself what is true. The last thing we want to do is communicate that we are experts or that you should ever take our word for something. Mm -hmm. We just want to encourage you to have these conversations with your own spouse or with the people who are close to you that you respect. And, um, we just kind of want to start conversations and share what is going on in our own lives. So yes, that's where we're at with that. Okay. This question is how to be submissive as a wife when both spouses are very, all caps, stubborn. And I think that the cool thing about the gospel, the cool thing about what God exhorts us to as men, as women, as children, is it's all based on who we are before him and personality is not a factor characteristics of how he has made us are not a factor when he says wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the lord he doesn't say and you know stubborn wives well you just don't because you're stubborn (laughs) you know or there's just no there's no caveats for Hmm. that or is is caveat the right word there's no like exception yeah it's there's no exception it's just maybe this will be harder for some women maybe this won't be but if you're stubborn then that's even a more beautiful testimony when you do submit to your husband of what is possible in christ Hmm. and you're speaking to him this this very obvious uh representation of the gospel yeah in that moment yeah yeah i think that I think what you said was awesome, but I, I want to make sure I understood it, that when we get these exhortations or these commandments and, you know, as believers to walk in, um, it's ta- it's not referencing what our characteristics are, characteristics were or our tendencies or personality traits were before Christ. It's saying, you know, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, therefore, since you are a new creation in Christ, conduct yourselves in this manner. And that's certainly where the wife submit to your husband's, it falls into that category of a new creation in Christ. This is how you are to behave. And the power is in Christ. Like the power mm-hmm. is in being that new creation in him. And so in a lot of ways, yeah, like you said, our, our character traits or our, our personality traits, those aren't even really considered. It's saying, yeah. no, you're a new creation in Christ. So submit yourself, submit your personality traits or your habits or your actions to this new reality. And I think the cool thing is, is we're submitting as unto the Lord. And so there's there's a blessing in that. And it's not necessarily saying, oh, your husband's going to have all the right decisions. And there's also not to say that there isn't going to be back and forth arguing before you come to a, okay, well, if in the end, I have to submit to this decision. Mm. You know, Elisha and I, I'm a very strong woman, you know, quote unquote, and we'll definitely go back and forth on something if I disagree and he hears me out and then in the end he makes the decision, Hmm. but it doesn't mean that you can't communicate. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm constantly having to remind myself that what I view my personality traits as being or my strengths or weaknesses, that's, that doesn't define who I am in Christ Mm -hmm. and in a good way most of the time, like meaning that I don't want these negative things just to accept them for what they are. You know, it's like, wait a second, if this is what needs to happen in my character, 
well then in Christ I can grow in all of those things. Okay, let's see. Katie, I'm going to ask this one and it's kind of directed towards you, but I'm going to be the one that asks it. Okay. Somebody says, Katie, how do you ask Elisha about his purity life without him feeling like you're assuming bad of him? Well, I feel like you should answer this question well, because... Th- th- yeah, well, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to answer it. You can answer it too. But the reason I wanted okay. to say this one is because I think I do think that Katie does a great job at this from a husband's perspective. And I think there's a couple things. And again, we've grown in this mm-hmm. since we were first married because... I think, you know, it's hard to play back how it went down early on, but I do think it's one of those things where you, you were really scared maybe at times and, but you were always curious and you wanted to know, and you've grown in the way that you've approached me in a far more, we're on the same team here. I want to be on board. And also this understanding too, of like, if you bring it up in a way that turn that makes me not want to communicate with you you're doing yourself a disservice you know like like you can't strong arm your husband into being totally open with you he's got to have the desire to be open with you and that you can pray for that obviously but then also you can behave in a manner that shows that you're his advocate and that you are his you know you are support to him in this area and you've got understanding that's not acceptance of sin that's not this hey you know we can be soft on sin in your life but it is just kind of like hey i want to be a, a, a place of strength and of security and of safety for you on this topic how are you doing and of course you don't always bring it up like that but you want that to be the sentiment i feel like so that when you do ask the question hey how are things going in your, you know, your purity life, your thought life, are you looking at anything? Have you looked at anything? Have you been tempted to look at anything? Um, that I know you're an advocate. It's not an accusatory thing. You're saying, Hey, we're on the same team here. I, I want you to walk in purity. I know that you can walk in purity, but I also want to be a helper, you know, a help, a helper in this, in this area. Yeah. It's good to hear you say that because Obviously, I don't know how I always come across that as my heart's desire. Oh, I do feel like, just you guys know, if you see me covering Lawrence's face, he's sucking on my pinky, but he can breathe and stuff. It looks kind of like crazy in the camera. Like, I'm just, like, covering his face, but that's what's going on. Um, I think that over time, all sensitive issues in marriage, you're either building up more trust in that area so that it becomes easier and easier and your spouse knows, okay, they have, you know, my goodwill or they have goodwill towards me. You're building up these, I don't know, like, ah, man, I feel like I should have talked some of these questions out before I started trying to answer them. But I guess when it comes to a sensitive subject in the beginning or if this has gone poorly in the past, you really have to tread lightly going into it Hmm. in order to rebuild that trust in that situation. And over time, like even as you said, you feel like it's gotten better. Mm -hmm. I feel like my heart's desire has always been the same, but I feel like because of how those conversations have gone, maybe it's built up more trust in that area. Yeah, definitely. So that you feel more safe. Yeah, definitely. And I and think I feel more safe. Yeah, I hope hopefully asking. you feel more safe and yeah, I mean again, this is a tough subject because I've I've fallen short in this area 
in, in our marriage before, you know, it, pornography has happened in, since the time we are married. And so it's not like we've walked in this totally free from being, from our marriage being tainted by this before. Uh, however, we've been able to free ourselves from it and not be burdened down by that Mm -hmm. and walk in the freedom of, and walk in the freedom that we have in Christ. I speak, you know, I've been able to walk in the freedom, uh, that I, that I have in Christ and Katie's been able to forgive and I think come to trust, you know, that trust has been renewed, I would say, and that there's, yes, that's been established. And, um, and, and, and I would, I don't think it hinders your, our intimacy in any way now. Yeah, no. Um, uh, though it did for, for a while, you know, sin does that sin brings an, you know, an element, whether it's temporary, it brings that element of death and it taints things. Um, and, and that certainly was the case for a season, but being on the same page, knowing that you're an advocate. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. I, yeah, obviously this is a sensitive subject. It's a really big subject, but I feel like my mom gave me some really good advice. My parents have been very open about this being a probably like a decade long struggle in their marriage. Hmm. That was a very consistent struggle that they dealt with. And something that she encouraged me in before I got married was she's like, Katie, you, if this happens in your marriage, it's okay to let, and it's healthy to let your husband know that you're hurt Mm. by it. Mm -hmm. But she's like, you need to not, um, she's like, yeah, remember you're on the same team. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Satan trying to tear apart your marriage. It's not him trying to hurt you and you, you know, feeling that desire to hurt him. Mm -hmm. You know, this is just sin, just like any other sin. It brings death, but he needs to know you're his advocate and, you need to be willing to move on hmm. and, and not bring it up. Like don't bring it up again. Hmm. If you've forgiven and there's been that you need to let the healing happen and don't ever withhold sex as a punishment or, you know, like, hmm. um, just really be willing to move on. Hmm. And I think that that was really helpful, encouraging advice hmm. because, because that's what, you know, Elisha forgives me all the time for things that I do and for ways that I've wronged him. And that's what happens in marriage. You get wronged hmm. and hurt happens even with the most well-meaning of spouses. And I do think it's so beautiful how you've been so open with me at, you know, this has not been an ongoing struggle in our marriage. I mean, I think it's a struggle, you know, temptation is ongoing, yeah. well, but this hasn't been um, something that I would, I just feel very, very blessed in our marriage. So after that question, uh, this one is how would you handle situations w- when your kids are older, if they make a bad decision? Hmm. And there's a really great quote by Felicia Masonheimer that is, she always says, I prepare for the season that I'm in. And I think that that's such a healthy way to live life because it really eliminates a lot of anxiety about the future because we just don't, we aren't promised the future. I'm not promised older children. And yes, I do want to have a vision for when my children are older, but right now I'm just invested in taking care of their hearts right now and getting better at that. Um, keeping short accounts with my children, not guilting them into, you know, just feeling bad about Mm. their sin in an unhealthy way, you know, their conscience is there to do that. I don't mm. need to do that as a parent. Um, Elisha and I are learning all kinds of things about parenting right now. And that's really, it sounds funny to prepare for the season you're in, but sometimes you're just in the season and you don't know, you weren't like equipped for it until you're there. Right. And then you have to learn to be the best 
that you can be in that season. And right now we're this in the season with young children. We want to be the best parents we can be in this season and learn. And when our kids are older, we want to, you know, talk to mentors and read books and learn what skills that we will need in that season. But I don't want to borrow trouble for the future. And I honestly have no clue how we would do that. Yeah. And I'm going to actually, I totally agree with everything you just said. And I'm actually going to bring my question in to kind of sum this up to you. Another question that I was going to bring up was, how do you slowly introduce your children to some of the evils in culture um, and in entertainment? You and I were just laughing yesterday a little bit. I mean, we were being lighthearted about it, about how we think we're going to be prepared for telling our kids about the cultural issues and the sins that are going to be rampant in there when they're young, you know, when they're teenagers and all those things. But I'm sure my parents felt that too. And it's just so funny. It's just, you're so far removed from where your kids are at. I'm not saying you can't make an effort to be aware of what's going on. And you know, when, when your kids are 12, 13, 14 years old, I think you should make an effort. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because kind of like what Katie said, it's like, boy, I don't know how we're going to do that. I know we want to do it in a healthy way. I know that it's, we want to be the, we want to be the ones, we, we want our children to hear it from us, you know, and not from some kids at the playground. That's the other thing too, you know, is that we're, we make such an effort to shelter our kids to some extent and a, a large extent, a, a large extent. Yeah. And we think, oh, well, they're not going to hear about this stuff. And it's like, no, they, they will, they will hear about it if you aren't the one that, that, you know, teaches them about it. And I, I, I think I told Katie, I was, I took the kids to the park like a week and a half ago and there's like all these nice kids playing. And I'm like, oh, those kids look so nice and sweet. And then my, our kids like went over and started playing closer to them. And they were probably like ages, maybe nine through 11, something like that. And I heard what they were talking about and it like blew my mind. Like I felt like I lost some innocence from hearing, you know, some of the conversation that these 11 year olds were having and I was like, all right, you know, Leanna Lucy, let's go play over on this side of the park. And the, and this is like in a healthy neighborhood with, you know, healthy looking families. And these kids were talking about stuff that was blowing. It was just blowing my mind. Yeah. It made me like sick when Elisha came home and told me. Yeah. And so I'm sure that that's probably going to continue to be the case where, you know, we, we do get to control the content we allow into our home. Uh, but then there's going to be times where the kids hear something when they're playing at the park or they hear something in passing, maybe from, maybe because a cousin heard something from the park that they were at, you know, just information gets around. And so I know that we're going to have to be proactive in this. And so to answer your question, I don't know how we're going to do that, but I know that we want to, we want to be on it, but also be aware that we're going to have, I think some gaps too. Yeah. I think every parent has gaps, but I think a couple things that we want to do in this situation is one, we want to maintain open communication with our kids mm. so that when they are, you know, having a conversation, maybe or they overhear a conversation that makes them feel bad or dirty or like what just happened there or a bad situation happens to them or, you know, they are exposed to something that we were not aware of at someone else's house or whatever, then we want um, them to be comfortable or even uncomfortably bringing it up to us and know that we aren't going to shame them for that. We Mm. want to have that healthy dialogue with them if we're behind the eight ball on some of this stuff, because there are just, you know, sin is just so rampant and we cannot tell our kids about every single sin and before they come in contact with it or know 
you know, what mm-hmm. it is. It's just hard to do that. I think that in a lot of ways, I was really, I'm still very innocent, to be honest. I think Elisha and I both are. Mm-hmm. And there are things that blow our minds every day <laughs> that we're overhearing as Every adults. day? <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, oh my word, that's a thing. You know, but I don't think that it's necessary to tell our kids about every single different variation of evil that's possible either. I think that reading the Bible, the Bible cover, covers a lot of evil. Yeah. And, and just reading God's word you become very aware that evil exists and that it is against God. Yeah. And so we want to just kind of just teach our kids about God's holiness and his righteousness and prepare them for you're going to come in contact with a lot of things that are dark and mm. that are opposing God. And we want you to come to us and we obviously don't want you to participate. But I, I think those are just kind of like two big generic yeah. things. That's good. All right. Do you have any, do you have any more questions? Okay. Hold on. I do have a few more. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Here's a short one real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You mentioned once that you two share a toothbrush. Why? No offense. Just wondering. I don't want this person staying up at night, stressing out about why. Yes. How could you, how dare you? ask that question no no i I just want to put your mind at rest the reason why we share toothbrush is because i always lose mine yeah and then elisha's is the only one left yeah it it it, we didn't like set out to share a toothbrush it just ends up happening and now when we now that just is how it is like when we travel we just pack one toothbrush and we're very used to, to just having one toothbrush in our in our drawer yeah i mean people act like that's gross but it's like it's your spouse like I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I just yeah. you know, you're getting pretty close with them. Okay. Katie, do you, oh, I'm just, I'm just going racing through mine because. Go for it. Okay. So this one says, Katie, do you ever struggle with being afraid your husband compares you to other women? And maybe he does. Maybe, maybe I don't want him to admit to that right no. now. If I, I ever did, you would come out as the clear winner. so no no I feel like I don't necessarily there's like two categories in my brain with this comparison thing I don't ever feel nervous about Elisha comparing me to other women like say physically I think that I do that myself sometimes to other women but I think that that's more like a female battle with another like mental struggle I guess I will sometimes get frustrated if I feel like a woman is just like flaunting her sexuality because I know that that could be a temptation struggle for my husband. And so that will frustrate me, but it's not necessarily like, oh, she has long legs and I don't have long legs kind of thing. Hmm. Um, Elisha married me, so I'm assuming that (laughs) that's what you wanted. Yeah. (laughs) That's what you got. Uh, So I guess I don't, I'm not afraid of the physical comparison. Hmm. Maybe I should be. No, I? I. you're my type. That's why <laughs> you are the type that I desire. He knows the right things to say. And then on the other side, like I have sometimes felt like there's not a specific woman that Elisha would compare me to, but I feel like when I am doing poorly as a helpmate and I'm you know, in one of those seasons where I feel like he could be resenting me Hmm. for 
not helping him in the ways that I know that in the ways that I want to honestly and we've had podcasts very recently in that season where we just weren't walking in that then I feel like uh, I'm wondering if he regrets marrying me. Whoa. I know that's like dramatic. Wow. I but can't it's believe not that's like, oh, Lindy Lou. Your... Oh, it's wow. not like, okay, Lindy Lou down the street, he's going to like leave and be like, oh, wow, she would make me such a better wife than Katie. I don't think he thinks that. He might. No, Lindy but... Lou is far down the list. <laughs> Lindy Lou's like option T. But I feel like. Um, I will have those moments like I'm wondering if he's like, oh, if my wife just wasn't, hmm. you know, so strong willed or if my wife was easier going or if, you know, my wife was more this kind of comparing me to just who I'm not in his brain. Hmm. I think um, that I am afraid of. And I also think that's usually my conscience talking. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous that you would have those fears. But at the same time, I, I know I've had those fears, too you know the same where I'm not it's not like oh she's attracted more to another guy physically or whatever I know my shortcomings when it comes to you know my handyman abilities you know around the house or my ability to lead out in in a confident manner um and I'll wonder I'll be like boy I wonder if she ever wishes or regrets you know I'm not marrying a guy with this personality or a guy more like so-and-so that was you know more competent in these in these areas and so even even though I think it's ridiculous that you would think those things. It's like, well, I guess I've had those thoughts too. So maybe it's human nature. Yeah. I do think it it's human nature uh, because like those things that you think, like even the things like you mentioned, it's like those don't even, I either think you're good at them where you think you're really bad at them or it doesn't matter to me. Hmm. You know, yeah. you're just my ideal. Oh, well, maybe we I, should end on that note. Yeah, we that should. Is... I literally think that every single day, you guys, like how did Elisha ask me to marry him? How did God choose him out of, oh, I how feel did God that... choose me out of all the girls to be paired with this guy? Like, it, I don't know how it happened, Elisha. That, I don't know. I feel the same way about you. And that's, what's crazy about the whole like comparison thing. It's like, whoa, like, I don't think it's healthy to compare, but if I did, it's like you, there's no, you are the ultimate for me. You know, you are so far the ideal in every way. So anyways, folks, we'll have more conversation yeah. by ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Camera. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.